from KQED. William Ware is sitting on a crate, shaving his face with a jagged piece of broken mirror when I meet him. There's no soap, no water, just this blue disposable blade and a fragment of his own reflection. He's got this shaggy blonde hair, and he's shirtless. And I can see at least a few tattoos, one with praying hands, and below that the names Michael and Alyssa, his two kids. I'll get through this shit. It just, it's just a matter of time, you know. And then when I do, I'll just be able to say it's all... It was a part of my story. I didn't need no welfare, no Section 8, no food stamps. And then I'll be able to get the last laugh, or at least, you know, on the inside, it'll feel good. William takes pride that he's an independent man. His fingerprints are stained with grime, and he says it tells you he's not lazy. He spends his time doing odd jobs and admits that he gets paid in drugs a lot of the time. Maybe it's good that he's a little stubborn, because help for the homeless this far out in the suburbs? It's hard to find. I can pretty much pull it off without their help. Right now, I'm, I'm just screwing around. You know, it's my choice to be out here. And what do I do every day? I go fishing. I, I, I golf in this field. Over there, they, they, they got an antique store downtown. And they give me a set of golf clubs. That was pretty cool. William spends some of his time in this abandoned field. It's right near Antioch's downtown, which is lined with antique stores, barber shops, and this old theater with a marquee. This field is an eyesore for some. It's a home for others, just a big plot of dead grass and gravel facing the delta. Trains pass through and soft waves brush up against the shore. It's homelessness in the suburbs. Over there by that tractor, we'll hit the ball from over there and then we aim for the bucket right there, the one with the giant's flag in there. That was in the rough. William is part of this growing number of people who are homeless in Antioch. It's still small when you compare it to the larger cities, but people here have noticed. In fact, across the country, the suburbs are the place where poverty is growing the fastest. And these same suburbs, they're not ready for all this. Antioch's not a bad place. It's not It's what you make your home of. You know, it's just, the people are nice. You know, as, as long as you're not messing around with drugs and, and crossing people, burning each other, you know, it's just everybody out there. What it is, it's a cold-ass world we live in these days. This cold-ass world is changing, too. And I want to hear from the people who have to live on these suburban streets to figure out why some people say it's easier to be homeless in Antioch. Yet at the same time, others say nobody's coming to help them. I'm Devin Kadiyama. You're listening to American Suburb, Chapter 7, The Field. This is home to me. Being out here, it's like, wow, it's a lot of black people. It's like being in Oakland. You can't always blame things on people from outside. Oh, I know what the word they use. Ghetto. A rich ghetto. This, then, is not the end of the Antioch story, just the beginning of a new chapter. The sounds of dry grass crunching beneath your feet sounds like static as you walk across the field. There's a single palm tree in the middle of it, and you can tell from the ground there used to be a large building here some time ago. Now the field is big and empty. William shares this space with a few other people. Rena France is one of them. She lives along the delta right near the shore. I have to climb over a pile of concrete to find her, nestled in this nook next to the train tracks. Rena's petite, but she looks strong. Still, she's got this nervous laugh you'll hear from time to time. Well, when I was 18, I had my own apartment, my own 
car and I had a job and I was dating an older guy who's probably like 30. Uh, he, yeah, I don't know. Do I tell him this whole story? I'm all, you guys want to hear about drug stories? <laughs> That's the laugh. I was a waitress in um, downtown Concord in Toto Santos Plaza. I worked at a um, fish restaurant. Rena is part of the rise in homelessness out here in Antioch. When she had the job, the apartment, and the guy, she was living in Concord, the suburb closer to San Francisco. Things didn't end well with the guy. She ended up leaving their apartment and living in her storage unit. And I just eventually lost my job. I was showing up late or just tired or not ready for work. You know, then I lost my storage unit because I couldn't pay for it anymore, and I just found myself on the streets. How'd you find yourself over here? I was moving. I'm going to move to South Carolina and get clean and, uh, and um, leave the state, and I, um, I ended up not having a way to get out there, and I got stuck in Antioch. <laughs> Rena's been homeless for about six years. She's gotten to know who she can count on for emergencies or who will pitch in to make a meal. And some of them are in this field. Sometimes they pool their money together to eat. I catch Rena at the beginning of the month, which is an important time for a lot of people in Antioch. About 11% of homes in the city receive food stamps. It's about twice the average for the Bay Area. For Rena, it means the cooler is pretty stocked. This morning, she pours Berry Colossal Crunch into a bowl. Pretty much everything we got from Dollar General <laughs> or Save Mart. How much you get for the food stamps? Is that monthly? Um, yeah, it's a little less yeah. than 200 um, per person. 200 bucks. Is that uh, pretty good for the month? I mean, it's supposed to aid whatever you already have. You know what I mean? So it helps. Yeah, it helps out a lot. But it definitely doesn't make it through the night or through the month. You know what I mean? You have to either either team up with friends, yeah, and make spreads, or just you know eat top ramen every day. But. Mm. It seems like Rena is pretty happy in this field. There's no real pressure for her to leave, and she's figured out how to make a life in Antioch work. But she knows if she ever wants to get unstuck, she's going to probably need more help than what this field can offer. Did you try to look for work when you are here? Um, no, I haven't looked for work. Cause you can't go apply for jobs when you haven't showered in two weeks. or You can't. It's not, isn't it? I don't know. Rena lives with her boyfriend. Their encampment is the largest and more elaborate one I've seen. They've even built a deck to prevent flooding that happens along the delta. And they're planning to build out more. We're trying to start building a, a, a shower area over there, a bathroom area. Rena didn't have to do this in Concord. She says there was a place where she could go to get a shower and clean up or do laundry. And she'd go all the time. And I ask her why there's not a place like that here in Antioch, when the visibility of people on the streets is so obvious. And she says there was, until it closed last year. They were pretty much shut down so fast that by the time I took my first shower there, I never even got through intake. And you mean shut down because they had to shut down the day services? Yeah, like the taking showers and washing your clothes and stuff. Do you know a lot of people who were using those services? Um, yeah, I do. I mean, almost everybody I knew was going there every, every day. But they, they, I think they said that they ran out of funding or something. Or do you know what happened? I don't know. We'll get an answer to that question when we return. Stay with us. Support comes from the San Francisco Foundation, a proud sponsor of American Suburb. The San Francisco Foundation works with its donors and community partners on a bold equity agenda for greater racial and economic inclusion for everyone in the Bay Area. History tells us that when community leaders, nonprofits, donors, residents, and business partners work together, all Bay Area residents benefit. Learn more at sff.org.
Okay, so let's start in the multi-service center. This room would be full, every seat would be taken, and then outside would also be, I mean, a lot of people. Rebecca Sanders is a program manager at Anka Behavioral Health, which ran the center that closed last year. It used to be busy every weekday with people going in and out, doing laundry, taking showers, picking up mail, using the phone. There were even group counseling sessions that people could attend. But here in Antioch, the building's quiet now. What was the most popular service? Showers. (laughs) Showers, definitely. A lot of times people would just come in just to talk, though, just talk to staff and let them know what's going on because they felt like they were treated like family here. The reason why the Antioch Center closed has some sad irony to it. Its primary role is this small shelter where people stay for a month and hopefully move to permanent housing. All these other people who were coming in and out every day, they were just trying to serve on the side. There was so much traffic at its Antioch Center that they were getting complaints from neighbors and businesses. And the small building and staff here just couldn't handle the numbers. So the irony is they closed because they were too popular. So my, my, guess, my question is, who's doing that in East County right now? Nobody. 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 For the longest time, all of the attention has been paid to places closer to the city centers like Richmond or Oakland. The problem of displacement happening all around the Bay Area has moved so quickly that it's taking these eastern suburbs a while to catch up. The county actually got money to invest in homeless programs like Anka's. When it came time to hand out the grants, there were no nonprofits in these eastern suburbs that could step up. But for some, the lack of attention being paid out here is also a reason to stick around. Rena had been living along the borders of this field on the Delta for a few months when I met her. If you stand on the street, you'll see people pop out of this field. Some are passing through, but others clearly live here. And there seems to be this unspoken acceptance. You don't bother me, I won't bother you. Rena says cops don't hassle as much out here. In Concord, the other suburb to the west, it was different. You know, I feel like when I lived in Concord, the police would stop me almost daily. But um, out here in Antioch, they pretty much don't care unless you have like pounds of drugs or a stolen vehicle or a gun or, you know what I mean? There's a lot more leaning out here, I've noticed with homeless people or with just being, you know, just living. <laughs> Tommy! Rena says I should meet Tom Trost, another guy who's part of this group. Everyone who lives here has their own space, so Tom is about 100 yards away along the shoreline. At first, he doesn't want to talk to me, and I can't see him because he's hidden behind a mound of concrete rocks. Then when he comes out, I see he's young, mid-20s, thin, with stubble and a hat. Rena knocks him for the shirt he's wearing. Are you wearing a Wiggles okay. shirt? Yeah. Oh my god. Do you know. even know who the Wiggles are? No. They're a little little infant like baby band. What? They, they sing a song like they go, cold spaghetti, cold spaghetti, hot potato, hot potato. Wow. Tom says people in this field look after each other. They're kind of this group living in solidarity, trying to stay invisible even though they're not. Like Rena, Tom lives in this cavity between the train tracks and a mound of concrete. He knows he's not supposed to be here. People don't like it. But he says he's getting this pass for now. You could tell they complained because the sheriffs came in, thought they could run us out, and then said we had a week to leave, and then they came back. We never left, and we haven't left yet, and they haven't came back. And then um, code enforcement came, and they go, hey, man, you guys, if you just, he told us straight up, he goes, hey, you know, he goes, if you guys just stay out of mind, out of sight, out of mind, we don't have to come back out here. 
Tom says it's cool the city's giving them the chance to stay out there. But Antioch officials have been pressured for a while to do something about its homeless population. Over the last few years, the city's been handing out more and more citations for laws dealing with homelessness. They've been really getting on people, and I don't blame them with the trash and everything. I don't, you know, if you keep it clean, it's a little different, you know. But they still, they're just nagging, and we have nowhere to go, no places to stay. It's like, what, what, what can you do, you know? We've been reporting on what it takes to live in Antioch, and for some, that's meant keeping your head down. For others, it's meant building a new community out here. For Tom, Rena, and William, the people living in this field, they seem to be doing both. We just can't have the view from the road. You can't see it, so we got to make it so it looks, like, hidden. Tom isn't the first person who's tried to stay hidden in this field. There's some history to this exact spot along the delta that's pretty amazing. More than 100 years ago, there was another man who lived here along the margins. His name was Thomas Gaines. There's a black man who used to live here. And he lived right on the border, just about where that plaque is, straight out from the tree. There's a memorial over there we put up. It's straight over here. Thomas Gaines is believed to be Antioch's first black resident. He's even listed in county records going back to the 1870s. Some historians will tell you that he lived right on the border. Some say within city limits. Others say right outside, which was a big deal because Antioch was a sundown town. Back then, it was like where you... The blacks, like if, right, if it was dark, dust, done, you, you couldn't be out. It's pretty, it's pretty nuts. Like the history about this. Anyone who wasn't white had to be out after dark. There were even tunnels built underground so people could move across the city line. Tom points to where he believes Gaines' house was. Just out a little bit on the water. It's not low tide all the way, but there's piers like those kind of. And he had his house like right, just right in here. More than a century later, this land and these borders are still offering refuge to people who are trying to belong, but who aren't quite accepted. Next to the memorial of Thomas Gaines is another plaque with pictures of people who also lived near this field. This is a memorial for the guys that passed away, some of them. This is separate. Tom says these faces were homeless too. In a city survey last year, homelessness was perceived as one of the biggest problems in Antioch. But there hasn't been a strong solution yet. One group is trying to build a 50-bed shelter for women and children in the city. And the county has received more money for coordinating homeless services. There are new homeless outreach teams trying to help people get off the streets. But everyone knows with the high costs of living in the Bay Area, nothing is easy. It seems like everyone in this field is just hanging on, either stuck or content in this moment while it lasts. William says he's got the delta and is golfing, aiming shots toward his bucket with the Giants flag. For the most part, I like it down here because we got the water down there. That's where I say my prayers. I, you know, I get my serenity over there. I just, you know, there's times where I'm really pissed off at God, and I, I have a million questions from why this, why that, and I just. But you know. We'll find out in the end. Rena says she doesn't like living in Antioch, but she likes the freedom. And she says there are these really beautiful moments, like when she and her boyfriend were sleeping on a roof overlooking the Delta. Every night we'd go to bed just going, God, there's so many people in the world that would love to be here where we're at right now, you know? I mean, it sucks because you stink and you're hungry or whatever, but it's like, at least, you know, at least where we live, it's, I mean, it could be worse. Tom believes there's something that's protected this field and that's kept them in this moment. And there's something with the history, like, 
I don't know if it's the people that used to work here over the years. Like, I don't know if, like, their spirits, I don't know. Like, there's something. Next on American Suburb. This is Doug. What's up, my man? Doug's like their next to kin. We had a homeless person get beat to death, and they called Doug Stewart and said, we need you to ID the man. I remember feeling like, um, like I couldn't imagine any set of circumstances where I could pull myself out of the situation where I was at. Like I'd gone too far down the rabbit hole. The first time I just brought him home and you're like, dude, what are you doing? And remember, I just showed up with him. He pulled me aside and he said, look, uh, my family and I were talking about it and, you know, we want you to stay with us. And I just went in there one day, I'm like, dude, you've got till six to stop being homeless. You can't stop that. There's the door. Whoosh. We get a call that Kevin died. You're listening to American Suburb. Thanks to the San Francisco Foundation for supporting this project. American Suburb was edited by Julia McAvoy. Executive producers are Holly Kernan and Ethan Lindsay. And if you like American Suburb, go ahead and rate us and subscribe to us on iTunes. It really helps other people find us. Thanks, guys. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? It's history, it's people, it's unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out The Bay Curious Book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on The Bay Curious Podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get The Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find a link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading! Hi, I'm Sasha Koka, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey, that's where you go to Sunshine State, but we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts.